everybody. Tonight, I'm glad you're here, and we all made it through the longest announcements we've ever had at Centerpoint Church in my life, and they were done better than they've ever done ever before. I can't believe that they took the person who's never done that before and said, oh, we'll let you do it this weekend, the hardest weekend ever to do the announcements. Well done, Rachel Hanson. It's funny. Her last name is... Hanson, but with an O, so we always say Hanson, just to make sure we're clear about who's who. Anyway, I wanted to uh, <laughs> share a couple more announcements with you, <laughs> really, but it's a good one. It's more of a testimony. I'm holding in my hand uh, a long-awaited document. It's called a CUP, which is a conditional use permit from the city of Murrieta. If, if you're new with us, we've been on a journey for quite some time. Uh, we're, we're envisioning and, and planning to expand our worship center, and uh, we had envisioned uh, starting that project back in April of last year, but this little document was uh, taking its time and coming, uh, but it finally came, and all 113 points were agreed upon and signed, sealed, and literally delivered this week, so that means we're official, and we are, uh, in, in fact, uh, gearing up towards a mid-January groundbreaking. So I wanted to just say thank you to many of you who have been praying because uh, as we began hitting the wall, I asked you to really pray and you did and our team did. And also uh, we had some important people that work with our city uh, decide to put their heads together with us to figure out how we could really just solve this. And we did. So I just would like to ask you to join me for a moment and just celebrate God's goodness one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Okay, and uh, if, I hope you caught that announcement about uh, School of Ministry starting up January 13th. And, and School of Ministry, we have the evening classes for everybody and then the full-time uh, engagement for anyone who's willing to sort of quit your day job, so to speak, and, and sign up for school. You can go to cpsom.com for all the information about it. But we have an incredible opportunity to really uh, get geared up for serving God with, with, with lots of training available to you. So I want to make sure you take advantage of it. Don't let this new year start and then you look back and go, oh, did that happen? I missed it. This is your chance. So make sure to uh, go to CPSOM. And, and maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what? My cousin, Tommy, he needs this. Well, then send him the website and tell him, you need this. And who knows, it might be something that God would use to change his life and set him on a new course. So uh, here's to Tommy coming to CPSOM. I hope there's a Tommy somewhere that one day says, I'm the guy you talked about. That would be awesome. Okay, uh, okay. so I want to get into the message tonight. And um, I, I started working out a few months back with Eric. And Eric is a, is a guy who is a legitimate bodybuilder and uh, is the kind of guy that from years of, of doing workouts and, and being a, a, an athlete is a legitimate trainer. And so uh, I've been going to the gym with him and he's been doing actual training with me, showing me how to do it right. And it's been incredible to learn all of these things and how to do workouts correctly and not damage my body in the process. And, um, and, and, but Eric is somebody who is one of those people that other people stop and look at when he starts lifting in the gym because he's one of those guys that can, you know, bench 330 pounds. There's just not too many guys like that out there. And so when he's doing that with three plates stacked, people are like, whoa, watching. Uh, 
I'm not that guy, in case you didn't notice. So I'm, I'm working on it. But anyway, we, we've been in the, in the gym every, well, not every, but several mornings per week. And uh, a couple weeks ago, there's this other big guy in the gym, also a legit big guy. And, and I was with Eric. We were doing our thing. And he comes walking by with the bigness. And he just says, hey, you, you two are starting to look like each other. I was like, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that was a compliment for Eric. I'm pretty sure it wasn't, but it was definitely a compliment to me. <laughs> I was excited to hear that. And then a couple, a few days ago, I was at home, and 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 Anne, my wife, started pounding on my chest, and she's like, "Ooh, you got boobies." That's you. You know Anne Hansen. She says that kind of thing, and it probably would have been better if she was the one saying that, but. But anyway, I'm not going to lie. I felt good when I heard that. I'm like, yeah, boom, 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 boom. I'm like trying to make something happen. Anyway, I, I was so excited to have a little bit of recognition that it was starting to work, right? And, and I was thinking about it. Wouldn't it be amazing if people would look at our lives and start to say about us like, hey, you and Jesus are starting to look like each other. Or, or maybe the lens ought to be changed, right? And it should be, hey, you're starting to look a little bit more like Jesus. You know, I think that would be amazing. And I hope that for every one of us, in some ways, there are things that are happening in our lives, changes in our lives that are taking place that are leading us in that direction, where there's something about what we're doing and how we're living that's looking a little bit more like Jesus now than maybe it was before. And part of this series, No Hype, is a little bit of a push to say, hey, it is possible it is possible for every one of us to follow Jesus into an experience of the kingdom of God in such a way that it's not only that Jesus is doing the amazing things that he did in the scriptures, but that we are also following him into that no-hype kingdom of God lifestyle where the supernatural things that Jesus demonstrated for us are taking place yet through us as well. And in case we forgot, it's important to remember what scripture says in 1 Corinthians 4.20. It says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. I want you to read this with me. Ready, go. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And, and we, as a Christian community, we do a lot of talking. And it's not that the talking is wrong, it's important. I mean, part of what Jesus did demonstrate was teaching day after day in the temple courts and showing up in the synagogues and teaching. And so there is an element of following Jesus that includes the talk, includes the, the words, includes the learning. But the kingdom of God ultimately cannot only be about the learning of more interesting and intriguing aspects of what the Bible says. At some point, there has to be an engagement in the practicum of it all. And that's what this series, No Hype, is about. I'm, I'm attempting to challenge every one of us to step up and move forward into that kingdom uh, of God experience that I believe Jesus has in mind for us. So I want to ask you to turn to Matthew uh, chapter 9. And as you're turning there to Matthew chapter 9, uh, a little bit of background we're going to read, sorry, Matthew chapter 10. That's where we're going. But the chapter before, Matthew 9, gives us a, a quick picture of Jesus in several different elements. One is that Jesus is healing a man that had been paralyzed for his whole entire life. 
and begins to speak to him and ultimately says, pick up your mat and walk. And then the next thing that happens is that a woman who had been suffering with an issue of bleeding for more than a decade gets a hold of Jesus and power goes out from him and she's healed of something in her physical body that had gone on for more than a decade. That happened. And then Jairus, this man who's a leader in the synagogue, his daughter has died and Jesus goes to his house, grabs the girl by the hand and says, little girl, get up. We did a whole message on that three weeks ago. And she rises from the dead because Jesus showed up. And then there's two blind men that come and approach Jesus and, and he heals both of these blind men of their blindness. And that's just one chapter. You know what it is though? It's Jesus demonstrating for us the no hype kingdom of God lifestyle. And I love the beauty and the power and the poetic framing of the Beatitudes. I love the depth of revelation that comes in the, the Sermon on the Mount. I love the intrigue of the parables. I do. But if we relegate Jesus and our followership of Jesus to only those things, man, we're going to miss it. Because I believe that what Jesus said in John 14, 12, he meant, you will do even greater things than these. And, and so we take a look at something like Matthew chapter 9, and we recognize this is Jesus demonstrating the kingdom of God. This is Jesus demonstrating this no-hype lifestyle. And so I, I want to ask you to turn now to Matthew chapter 10, and we'll, we'll just jump in together at verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also called Peter. And then, Andrew, Peter's brother. James, son of Zebedee. John, James's brother. Philip, Bartholomew. We're going to have a moment of silence right now. Because that's the only time you will ever hear the name Bartholomew in the scriptures ever again. <laughs> I feel sorry for that guy sometimes. It's like, what else happened to him? <laughs> Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas. I mean, those are the, the apostles. In verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I think what Jesus was eager to see was that his disciples would take their place in doing the stuff. I mean, the truth is, if you were the disciples who were following Jesus, you would have experienced days like the ones that I just referred to that were recorded in the previous chapter in Matthew 9, and you would have been thinking to yourself, Jesus is amazing. I love this. Just watching him do his thing, I mean, just showing up and seeing him touch someone and they're healed and seeing someone else rise from, I love this. This is proof that he is the Messiah and it makes me want to just praise him and worship him forever. And that would not be wrong, would it? But it would be incomplete because Jesus didn't want for them to just sit back and watch him do it. I mean, that's what we're reading here in the very next chapter is Jesus, in a sense, saying, I know, I know, you saw me do all this stuff. You keep seeing me do all this stuff, but my vision 
It's not that you would just keep watching me do all this stuff. My vision is tag, you're it. You know, and I, I want us to take it to heart. I really do. I want us to be able to be challenged in our own experience of discipleship and to reckon with the fact that in some ways, maybe we have decided to skip the practicum. Maybe we've sort of said, without putting it into words, I think I'll just kick back and, and, and just, just read about what you did instead. But I think Jesus is always beckoning anybody who would be called a disciple of his to come and step up into an experience of the no-hype Jesus lifestyle, the kingdom of God, and to be the ones that would bring it. Come on, somebody. I believe that one brother is feeling the sense of what God would want to accomplish if many more of us could just rise up and take our place in seeing the kingdom of God come because we would be willing to be those disciples who would say yes to what Jesus has tapped us on the shoulder to go and do. So my message today is this. Live in and give out the liberating power of God. I mean, in a nutshell, that's it. And I live in and then give out the liberating power of God. Live in and give out the liberating power of God. This is Jesus' invitation to you from his word. And this is, I believe, something that you and I need to, to take into account. Live in and give out the liberating power of God. By the way, uh, some of us are still wondering what it meant when Jesus said, don't go to the, <laughs> the other people. Just go to the, Israel, the, is, the community of Israel. You, you always have to hold verses of Scripture in tension. One verse doesn't exist by itself. It exists side by side with Matthew 28 where it says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. But what we are seeing here is that God does have a preferential love for his chosen people, Israel. And it's in fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus would say, this comes first. The cho my chosen people, are, they're, they're going to come first. And, and it's important we recognize that from time to time, that in the midst of God's love for everybody, everywhere, he has this special preferential love for his people Israel that comes through in a beautiful way in this one little moment. But don't get too hung up on it. it, 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 it you know, Jesus quickly calls us to go into all the world <laughs> in, in the very same book just a few chapters later. So uh, this, this no-hype life is something I think that you and I, if we would enter into it, we would be blessed by it. And we see it in Jesus. And what we see in Jesus is a demonstration, a demonstration through the life of Jesus. In Jesus' life, he demonstrates the, the power of God to set the captive free. In the life of Jesus, you see a demonstration of the liberating power of God. It is God's power that Jesus operates in to liberate the sick from their sickness. And in God's power, he liberates the blind from their blindness. In God's power, he liberates the deaf from their deafness. In God's power, he liberates the hopeless from their despair. In God's power, he liberates those who are facing death, hell, and the grave for all eternity from that destiny for anyone that would but turn to him. In God's power, he liberates the lifeless from death because he conquered the grave. This is what we see in Jesus is a demonstration of the kingdom of God. And, and so if I'm going to be somebody who lives in and then gives out 
the liberating power of God, I don't need to look any further than Jesus to see what that's all about. But I better not ignore what I saw there when I do look at Jesus. I better not only say, well, I like these parts over here that are about the poems and the words. This stuff's a little weird. I hope that we would be full-spectrum followers of Jesus. And I think that's really what we're getting at with the No Hype Life, that there need to be moments where we embrace the unique calling God has for us to be those who live in and then give out this liberating power of God. Just go back to verse 1 for a moment. Let's just think about this together. It said, Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. The, the, first, the first thing that I, I recognize is Jesus calling them together. And, and this is crucial. It's crucial that we recognize this is what Jesus has been doing all along, is calling the disciples together. Because he recognized they're not going to be able to give out this powerful presence without being together in community. He calls them together to first be people who live in God's liberating power themselves. And I think Jesus is doing that right now, calling some of us out of where we were, out of where we might be even right now, and calling us together to a place where we can be set free, where we can be liberated from whatever bondage would have its clutches in us. Jesus has a liberating power for us, and for some of us, we are accepting something that's beneath what he's called us to. We are staying in a place of bondage and darkness that he's paid the price to free us from. And so he's call, Jesus is calling his disciples together, first and foremost, because he wants them to have this liberating power in their own lives in a personal way, because you can't give away what you don't have. And so he calls them together, and they experience this, this life. And, and one more time, let me read it again. Jesus called his 12. Actually, read this with me from the screen. Ready? Go. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. Everyone say authority. Authority. Authority, authority is the, the right or ability to act on behalf of someone else. Authority is the right or the ability or the power to act on behalf of someone else. And that someone else for us is King Jesus. So if we're going to act on behalf of King Jesus, which is what this authority is all about, there needs to be a way in which we look into the, the demonstration of the kingdom life that he gave us, and we say to ourselves, I think I know what to do. And it has everything to do with what we, what we see him doing in the face of sickness and disease, what we see him doing in the face of demonic affliction, what we see him doing in the face of hopelessness and despair, and to follow him into that way of living that brings breakthrough. It's what he's given the authority for. And so you and I, if we're really following Jesus, what we're doing then is we're learning how to make choices with our lives that would line up more and more with bringing a similar demonstration of the God-empowered life that Jesus gave. That's what we're made for. That's what this world is needed. But he gave us his authority so that we could. A couple of years ago, I wanted to take my kids beach camping. And it was a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. I just decided, let's do it. Let's go beach camping. 
I got online and I saw on some blogs that, you know, the California beach camping sites fill up like a year in advance. I didn't believe it. I was like, whatever, that can't be true. <laughs> hey, get the stuff in the truck. Let's just go. And so we threw the stuff in the truck. And we, so the knowing ones are laughing at me right now. That's rich. Oh. So we threw the stuff in the truck and we drove down and got to Del Mar and just rolled right up. To, it was, you know, and, and, and they said, uh, I'm sorry, th this place has been full for months and months. No camping spots. Like, no problem. There's more down the road. I'll just go there. And <laughs> drove down to like Encinitas, I think. And, and there was nothing there in Encinitas. Drove to Del Mar or, or wherever it was, South Ponto Beach, nothing there. And then finally, we got to this one place. And we had literally gone to, I think, four or maybe five campgrounds, turned away from every single one. And I drove up, and it was dark now, and the kids were, were like grumpy in the back. They're like, this is worthless. Why don't we just go home? We'll camp in the backyard. And, and, the, and the woman said, sir, there's no camping spots here. It's full. It's been full for months. And I said, I know, I know. I know this is so ridiculous. I should have made a reservation, but is there anything you can do? And I must have looked like a sick, tired, sad puppy dog because <laughs> she looked at me and let out a deep sigh. <sighs> She's like, pull your car over there. And I did. Pulled the car over, waited, prayed, you know. <laughs> anyway, she came over to the car after about 10 minutes, and she said, I talked to my boss, and he told me that there are no spots available. But he did say that there was one spot that we keep for special occasions. Spot 37 is yours. You're welcome. <laughs> and what happened was, this was a woman who had authority. I mean, she had the badge. And she was now acting on behalf of her boss who gave authority to her. And she, being the one with the authority, knows that there are, there are rules. No reservation, no camping. But she also knows that with authority that's been appropriately delegated, there is a way to do something that might not reflect the normal rules, but which still happens under the right authority. And in that authority, she made a blessing available to me that would not have been available without her authority, otherwise known as spot number 37. <laughs> and you know what? In a, in a way, Jesus has put you here on this planet and given you his authority, his authority to represent and to act on his behalf in certain instances and moments so that somebody would be blessed in some way, so that somebody would receive some kind of breakthrough in some way. And you are there with power from God, whether you're feeling a whole lot of it or not. It's just the truth. If you've ever said, Jesus, I'm yours, I believe in you, you're my savior, these words to these disciples apply to you too. I give you authority, he says. I give you authority. But he gets specific he gets specific about what he wants to have happen with that authority, doesn't he? I believe that he did. Verse, verse 1, one more time. Uh, and what we read there is he, he called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal, heal every kind of disease or illness. Jesus is identifying two particular realms that are uncomfortable to us, but realms where there's always great need. Realms where there's always difficulty and challenge. And Jesus has said, yeah, and, and I don't want people to be without help in those two realms. And in fact, my plan for them to know my goodness is you. Go. Heal the sick. 
Raise the dead. I mean, this is what he's said in his word. It's, it's Jesus wanting for his goodness to be made known in real time. And his plan for how that happens is to give authority to you so that you would be in the moment where somebody's hurting, somebody's struggling, and you would say, I think I know what to do. He gave me authority. I'm going to use it. That's what we're made for. Now, go, go down to verse 7, though. It says, Jesus made it even more clear. He said, go announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. As freely as you have received, give. Jesus, Jesus did say, go and announce that the kingdom of heaven is near. And most of us don't have any trouble with that part, do we? Oh, go tell people about, uh, and we even kind of shrink the meaning of that quite a bit and say, go tell people about heaven. Sure, that's pretty palatable. I mean, not too many people would be bothered by that. We'll go tell people about God, about heaven, about God's reign even, maybe. But, but we are maybe not so quick to embrace the very next sentence, which is just as much a part of this no-hype life. Where Jesus says, right, go and announce the kingdom of heaven, and then say it with me. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. I mean, this is something on Jesus' heart. And if you really are a follower of Jesus, you, you really need to go beyond saying, hmm, that's a very interesting thought there. Very interesting. Demons. Yes, very interesting. And the, you need to step into the reality of what he's actually asked you to do which is to be a part of the solution to these things. Yeah. Do not be afraid of it. To not write it off as something that's just too strange for you to touch. It's something that Jesus has in mind for you to be a part of the solution for. It's, it's what his authority is all about. He makes these four statements. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, drive out the demons, raise the dead. And I want to say, at, at, at the face value, it means what it means. I do think, though, that we can understand the texture, the nuance of each of these phrases. But in, in giving ourselves the latitude to understand some nuance, I don't want to let us off the hook of taking it also at face value. But think about it. I mean, uh, healing the sick, it may be a physical disease. It might be that somebody's heart sick. And you come along with some love and words of prophetic encouragement and, that, and, and the, the clouds begin to part for them because you came along with the love of God and you healed the sick. Healing the sick may happen because uh, you have taken the time to get your MD and, and you, you help patients find healing. And that's wonderful, but there also must be a place for simply doing what Jesus said, healing the sick old school, miraculous breakthrough style, where we just simply take the time to pray for and believe God for something to happen that goes beyond the normal rules. Because sometimes it happens, and it's glorious when it does. It's worth going after. So we, we heal this thing. There's also cleanse the lepers. And this one's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting to me that, to, that it says cleanse the lepers. Because leprosy is a disease. In theory, that's already covered in category number one, right? Heal the sick. But it's cleanse the lepers. And cleansing, especially in a Judea, Judean context, a Hebrew context, 
cleansing has particular meaning. It has to do with dealing with the, the public disgrace of being ceremonially unclean. It has to do with the people who are written off and forgotten about and overlooked and cast aside and not wanted. And in a sense saying, yeah, let's deal with that so that there isn't so much of that being unwanted and cast aside and forgotten about and overlooked. Cleanse the lepers. And it just might be that you are on assignment from God to come alongside those who maybe others would look down on and overlook and cast aside and throw away and say, no, 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 you matter to me, and I'm not casting you aside. There's a place for you at my table. Come join me, right? That would be kind of a, a manner of cleansing lepers. I hope we would. I hope we would look for the opportunities to do that. And then it says, drive out the demons. And, and I don't want to gloss this over. First things first, it means what it says. Jesus, you can't read through the Gospels and come to a different conclusion than that Jesus clearly was showing us, look, there's a, a world that goes beyond what you can see, and there's evil power that's at work, and you don't need to be afraid of it, and you are actually empowered and authorized to conquer it. And so at some point, there's got to be a willingness in every one of us who's a follower of Jesus to do what he did and to say, devil, get out of here. And to do it knowing we've been authorized to do this, to drive out demons. But take it a step further. It's about when people have believed lies, help them to embrace the truth revealed in God's word. Where people have a, a stronghold, help them tear it down from their lives, where there's some kind of evil power setting itself up in your life or in your family or in the world around you, you say, no, not on my watch. In Jesus' name, I tear this thing down. Come on, Christians. This is what you and I have got to learn to do, to be the ones who recognize the power we've been given, the authority we've been given, and who don't neglect the use of it. What would you think if there, if there was crime taking place on the streets, but our, our, our police force just stayed holed up in the, in the po police station? We would say, hey, no, no, because we would expect, and we have an amazing police force. Let me just be very clear. This is some mythical, uh, uh, hypothetical force somewhere. But, but we would expect them, why? Because we know they've been given the authority to do something about that crime. And, and the same way, Jesus has said, right, and you are here with my authority to do something about this dark, demonic stuff that's plaguing people. Go cast out the demons. Don't be afraid of it. You don't need to. There's no contest. It's not like the bad God versus the good God. No, 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 not at all. Devil's here as a peon created angelic being. Mighty God, creator of everything, is the one who's given you his authority. You don't need to be worried at all about dealing with the, the darkness. You've got, a, you've got a power that far surpasses anything he could ever imagine. And then it says, raise the dead. Raise the dead. First, I mean, I hope sometime in my life I might have the privilege of being used by God to pray for someone as they've died and see them get up. I'm still believing for that. But meanwhile, I'll raise the dead every other which way I can. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus and the light comes on and they receive his mercy and grace, they are spiritually raised from spiritual death. So do it. Raise the dead that way. 
Sometimes you have you know, people that you come alongside and they had dreams for their life, but those dreams have died and hope is gone. But you come along with some encouragement and some words of hope and words of life and all of a sudden it's like water being poured onto those seeds which have died and the dreams begin to come to life again. And that's you raising dead dreams back to life. I mean, it, it all is part of that, raising the dead that I think Jesus is looking for for you and me. I remember being uh, in, in biology class in, in high school. I think it was freshman year, and the first three weeks of the class were tedious and awful and boring, and we'd sit there in this room at these desks, and she would, you know, the teacher would, it just sounded like wah, 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 the whole time to me. And, and, but then uh, they said, the teacher said, next week on Monday, you're going to the lab, and you go to this lab on Monday. And so we went to the lab, and, and this was different. Now there's like these uh, little Bunsen burners on every counter and things to touch and mess with and play with. And, and, and then and she said, get your partner and come up to the front and grab the tongs and take one of these. And she held up a, a dead, frozen frog. Come on, everybody remember that rite of passage? I don't know. Now it's probably illegal or something. But we did that back in the day, right? And it was good. And something inside of me came alive in the presence of that dead frog, right? Like it was just something about being able to get into it, not just talk about it or hear about it, but being able to get into it that made it come alive for me. And in a sense, I think Jesus is saying, right, don't skip the practicum. I never wanted this to just be a bunch of wah, wah, wah for you either. I give you authority, Jesus says. I, I gave them my authority. And this is what we are meant to do, to live it out the way he called us to. So my challenge to you is to be on the lookout. Next time somebody says, I just, I just feel terrible. I have this migraine headache. That's your opportunity. That's the practicum. And in that moment, you say, hold on. Let me... Let me pray for you. And, and you, you activate your faith. That's the first thing you do. You just, something inside of you has to be saying, God, I believe you. I believe you. I believe you're greater than this migraine. I believe you, God. And then after you've activated your faith, you, you engage your spirit. And, and it's, it's something particular to say from inside of yourself, I rebuke this migraine in Jesus' name. And to say it, with a faith and a trust that God is good. Letting your sophistication just stay on the sidelines. And, and you express that faith in that moment of, of dealing with it. You, you identify the, the stronghold, whether it's obvious or not so obvious, you identify what it is, and then you address it and renounce it, and watch what God will do. Amazing things happen when we begin to live in and give out the liberating power of God. I'm going to ask you to throw a video up that uh, something happened a couple of weeks ago. I was on the patio after church, and a woman came up to me and said, wait, 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 I have to tell you something. And after she told me, I got out my phone to record it, and I just want to share this with you. Actually, yeah, I'm here with Tamara, and she just said something that I want to hear again and again. So say it again. So I lost the vision in my left eye because my ocular nerve ruptured and I got drusens, which are lipids on my eye, and they said I'd never see again. And after second service and praying with John and the power of Pastor John's word, 
I can now see. I could see that he has blue eyes. I can see his nose. I could see his hair. I oh, you have product in your hair. Nice. And I see he has a beard, OT, a beautiful smile. Dude, he's wearing. I can see color. You're wearing black and tan, dude. Come on. I recorded that because I was like. And I don't even know if you'd believe me if I told you. And this is a sister who's been part of our church for years and years. And by the way, the John that was referenced there was John Papp, who leads our prayer ministry. And it was just a quiet moment over here, unassuming quiet moment of our prayer team members praying. And then God broke through. I wish I could tell you every single time. It always happens. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you for the sake of the moments when that happens, it's worth it to Go for it, to live in and then give out the liberating power of God. That sister was liberated from physical blindness in a moment. God broke through. That is worth going for. It's worth it. In Mark chapter 1, uh, Jesus said this. It was kind of a everywhere he went type of a thing. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And for every one of us who is already a believer, maybe the repenting we need to do is to repent of getting really caught up in our hyper-sophistication when we've been called into a childlike faith that would make room for powerful moves of God. And maybe for some of us, we need to repent of our unwillingness to even try Maybe brothers of us who are believers, we need to repent of our, of, our, of, our, of our lack of the compassion for people who are sick or in that leprous category or dead in some way. And, and repent of the lack of compassion that's kept us from doing it. But on the other side of the equation, maybe you're here tonight and just coming to church is all new for you and this is... This is the main thing I want you to hear, is that there's an opportunity to repent and believe, and, and to believe the good news. And the good news is this, is that God desires for you to be right with him. He wants it. He wants it. And he gave his son so that there would be a way for you to be right with God. And Jesus, wherever you don't measure up, Jesus does, and he measures up on your behalf, but he does it particularly through the cross. Through his own sacrificial death, Jesus fulfilled everything that would have been required in God's word and law so that you could ask for forgiveness and receive it. And so maybe tonight for somebody, this would be the thing you need to do is to repent and believe that good news about Jesus. And that is a beginning point. It's where it begins for you. It's like saying, I, I want to start moving towards all that stuff I heard about tonight. It starts with believing in Jesus and believing in him as your Savior and your Lord. And so maybe for all of us right now, we could take some time to pray and to do whatever repenting or believing we need to do. So would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for giving us an invitation to something amazing, an adventure of life with you, where supernatural things can happen and we can get a front row seat to it sometimes. And so, Lord, I pray for 
every one of us who are believers already, God, that you would forgive us. And we do. We repent. We ask God you'd forgive us for maybe just our lack of willingness to even try. Forgive us for kind of settling for, eh, they can do that. Forgive us, God, for just maybe not having the kind of compassion that probably would, would move us to reach out to somebody and say, I don't even know what's going to happen right now, but I'm going to try. I'm going to pray for you. And I pray, Father, for more and more moments like the one that happened for Tamra, that more and more of us, God, would take, uh, take the initiative to reach out and that we'd see miracles happen. I pray, God, that you would allow there to be more and more testimonies like that, of one kind and another, where you broke through, God. I'm asking for it, Lord. If you're here today and you would say, I don't know where I stand with God, but I want to be right with God. The way to be right with God is through faith in Jesus. And if you've never put your faith in Jesus, here's what you do. In a moment in time, maybe right now, you, you begin to say, Jesus, here and now, I choose to believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I am asking you to forgive my sin and save my life. You know, there's so much that, that you still need to learn and lots of questions to, to think through, but there's got to be a starting point. And I can't let somebody else make the starting point more complicated than it needs to be. It, it really, at the heart, is about believing the good news that God really does love you enough to save you, and he does it through Jesus. If you're here tonight and you would say, I want to ask God to save me, to forgive my sin and save me, while we're all praying, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? That's you saying, I want to ask Jesus to save me. I need to have my sin forgiven. In the back over here, that's so good. I don't want to miss anyone else. If that's you, just raise your hand and make it known. You say, I'm, I'm asking Jesus to forgive me, to save me. And then you pray with me and say, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? I put my trust in you. I turn from sin right now, and I turn to you, Jesus, and I ask for your forgiveness. Would you come be my Lord and my Savior from this moment on? Thank you for new life. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you